a recent Economist magazine article makes the case that we may be in for a golden era for the world's workers. Conventional wisdom suggests that the past four decades have been fabulous for owners of capital and miserable for labor. Workers have had to endure competition from trade, relentless technological change and displacement, more unequal wages, and often tepid recovery from recessions. Meanwhile, investors and companies have benefited from expanding global markets, greater productivity, liberalized financial regulations, and low corporate taxes. But all is not as it seems. While it might appear premature to predict a wonderful world of work only about a year into a pandemic that produced labor market chaos, better times may be ahead. America is demonstrating how rapidly employment can recover as the virus recedes. A year ago, unemployment in this country was nearly 15%. Today, it's 6%. As the labor market recovers, two deeper shifts are unfolding, writes The Economist. First, the political environment is becoming friendlier to workers in much of the developed world, including in the form of supporting higher minimum wages. The second major shift is technological, with more people able to work remotely and enjoy greater work-life balance. For WYPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by writer Anna Bonney, homeowners across the U.S. witnessed their property tax bill become significantly more expensive last year. Total property taxes levied on America's single-family homes in 2020 were $323 billion, up 5.4% from the year before. That represented the largest average increase in four years, according to an analysis of 87 million homes conducted by Adam Data Solutions, a property information firm. The average property tax for a single-family home was a bit greater than $3,700 last year, up more than 4% from 2019's average. There are also more homes available to tax in the context of what has become an active home-building marketplace over the past year. The fact that total property taxes collected went up doesn't necessarily mean that property tax rates actually rose. Because property tax rates vary so widely across the nation, a common mechanism by which to compare tax rates is to analyze effective tax rates. An effective tax rate determines how much a homeowner pays in taxes compared to their home's value. The report found that the effective property tax rate actually fell in 2020. The state with the highest effective property tax rate in 2020 was New Jersey, followed by Illinois and Texas. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Tax increases are being contemplated in New York State. Predictably, business leaders suggest that the increases, which would result in top earners in New York City being charged the highest combined income tax rate in America, could backfire by driving away the very people and companies the city relies upon for its revenue. Significant numbers of firms have already been moving out of New York. As reported by the Wall Street Journal, Elliott Management, Icon Enterprises, and the Blackstone Group are among the firms that have either moved their headquarters or opened new offices in Florida in the past year. Goldman Sachs Asset Management is considering plans to expand in Florida, which has no state income tax. Executives at JetBlue Airways indicate that the company is considering moving its headquarters to Florida when its New York City lease expires in 2023. New York was the number one state for population loss in America from July 2019 to July 2020, according to Census Bureau data. More than 300,000 New York City households in higher income neighborhoods filed change of address forms with the U.S. Postal Service from March to October of last year. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. In many American cities, 
office vacancy rates are climbing to their highest levels in decades as businesses give up office space and embrace the world of remote work. As indicated in a recent New York Times article, many businesses discovered during the pandemic that they can function with nearly all of their workers out of the office. In only a year, the market value of office towers in Manhattan, home to the nation's two largest central business districts, has plummeted 25%. There's more of this on the way. Jamie Dimon, CEO at J.P. Morgan Chase, New York City's largest private sector employer, recently wrote in a letter to shareholders that for every 100 employees, his bank may need seats for only about 60 on average. According to data from Cushman and Wakefield, the vacancy rate for office buildings in city centers across the nation has climbed over the past year to 16.5%, the highest in about a decade. So far, certain large landlords haven't suffered as they continue to collect rent from tenants locked into lengthy leases. But as those leases steadily come up for renewal, property owners could be left with many empty floors. At the same time, many new office buildings remain under construction, about 124 million square feet nationwide. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. With every vaccination, the economic outlook improves. While the economy continues to reopen in fits and starts, the general consensus is that economic growth in America will be overwhelming this year. But the pandemic lingers nonetheless, and this is reflected not only in public health data, but in economic data as well. When the economy shut down more than a year ago, women were pushed out of employment in particularly large numbers. Key sectors of the economy that employ many women, like leisure and hospitality, were walloped, causing the rate of unemployment among women to rise above 16% a year ago. Many women left the workforce altogether as children began to be instructed remotely, resulting in many parents staying at home. According to an analysis by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and as reported by Bloomberg a year later, mothers between the ages of 25 and 54 remain out of the workforce at higher rates than everyone else. While it is true that nearly half a million women rejoined America's workforce this March, which marked an inflection point in the so-called she-session that is hindering economies globally, there are still 2 million fewer American women in the labor force than prior to COVID-19. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.